I do have, I want to make that announcement again. I've had a couple of people say they're interested in the book study um, of The Enemy Within. And if you need a book, just let me know. Um, the books are $10. You can pay me anytime. Uh, we'll just get started. But we'll get started next week after Bible study. And like I said, we will try to meet for 30 minutes max, 11.45. We'll be out of here by 12.15, no question. So, but if you are interested, first two chapters we'll discuss next week. Um, it is talking about sin, so we all need that. Um, and, okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, if you're lucky, I think you're going to be, um, we're going to get out of here at 11.30 um, today. Yay, yay. Let's go ahead and pray. And I'm sure some other people will be trickling in, so um, that's no problem. Okay. Father, we just praise you, Lord, for this day. And I thank you that um, you have given us a book, Father, full of truth, Lord. I can't believe that you would be so gracious to call your people to you and then give them such a beautiful word, Father, that brings life and health to our bodies every day. I pray, Father, that the words that I speak today will be good, they'll be profitable, they'll be truthful, Lord, and if there's anything that I say that brings confusion or anger, Lord, I pray, Father, that you will allow um, just the untruths to wash away, Father, and that you will close your ears and not be confused by what we've got. Lord, I pray, Father, that um, your gospel will be proclaimed faithfully here today and here at this church every day for the rest of our lives, Lord. Uh, watch over these women and keep them safe and close to you. And it's the name of Jesus Christ we pray all of these things. Amen. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get started. We've got a big crowd coming in. Um, lots of seats up front, of course, because nobody likes to sit up front. Um, it's kind of funny. I told the ladies last night, I expect no one to remember this. So, um, But I, just to let you know, I'm not that dense. Last semester when I taught, I zeroed in on a word, and it was the word credible. If y'all remember, I actually was teaching during the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, and that word was being tossed about um, a lot on the news. And the strangest thing happened. I didn't realize it until yesterday. I zeroed in on a word this time, and it's actually incredible. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. Um, I may be as dense as you might think, but I didn't realize it until, um, until yesterday. Um, so anyways, uh, crazy thing. I'm calling this lesson, which I never title anything, but I'm calling it the incredible story of Paul's apostleship. And when I get ready to teach, which I think this is only maybe my fourth time to do it, um, I, the way that I start is I sit down and I work on my Bible study, just like you guys. So um, when I do that, it kind of sometimes takes me in a different direction than I expected when I put those pages together for you. And that's, that is what happened this time. Um, so you never know. Um, and then when I originally assigned myself Galatians one, I did not remember that the establishment of Paul's apostleship actually appeared here. Um, I was actually a little surprised when I read through Galatians one at first and I was like, wait, was that it? Hmm. I was like, let's see, where is that really weird story about where Paul goes to the wilderness? And I was like, maybe it's further in Galatians. And I was like, nope. Oh, maybe it was an axe. Nope, nothing there. So this is it. And I was like, 
Yay! Um, so I texted Suka two two weeks ago or three weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, question: Are you going to talk about the apostleship of Paul in your introduction?" And I was like, "Because I mean, that's pretty introductory stuff, real basic." And she was like, "Nope, that's Galatians one." And then I was like, "Thanks, love you." <laughs> Um, so here we are. I didn't expect to talk about Paul's apostleship today. In fact, um, that's a reason why I gave you all of the scripture references that I did about Paul's apostleship. I was thinking y'all could just do all the homework and then I wouldn't have to talk about it. But here we are. Um, because to me, when I first heard Jimmy teach about it when he was going through Galatians, I thought, well, that's crazy. I've never heard that before. And it seems weird. And let's go with my word. Incredible. But let's dive in. I want to read a portion of our chapter. So if you want to pull out your page or open your Bible or your phones, um, we're going to read um, from Galatians 1, starting in verse 11. I'll give you a second to catch up. All right, we start in Galatians 1.11, and it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to per- persecute us now is preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. All right. I want to take a minute and I want to pull out what we know to be true about the authenticity of Paul's apostleship from this passage. And so I've made you a little whiteboard over here. Um, And so number one, you can see that it says he didn't consult with any man. He He didn't receive it from any man. No man. There was no man involved here. Number two, he received it from a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jesus himself revealed it to Paul. Number three, he didn't consult with anybody. He didn't even go to Jerusalem and visit with the apostles. Didn't do that. Number four, um, right? Oh, I missed one. Yep, I did. See, I went one, two, three, four, six, seven. Mm Mm-hmm. Number four is supposed to be he went into Arabia. Um, So he went into Arabia. And then, and number five, he returned to Damascus. And then the big kicker, the one right here, is he spent three years, three years in Arabia. 
And that's the big reveal. And then number seven, he went to, then he went to Jerusalem and visited with Cephas, who is also Peter. All right, if you have your Bibles out or your phones, I want you to turn with me to Acts 9. And we're going to see if there's any other place in the Bible that gives us more clarity about this little story. Okay, so you don't have to follow along with me, but you might want to. Um, But let's set the stage by remembering what has just happened in Saul's life. He was the chief persecutor of the new Christians. He was very passionate about eradicating this new gospel for the sake of the Old Testament law. He was there for the stoning of Stephen, and he was most to be feared as a new believer. Until one day he was walking down the street on his way to Damascus to threaten and terrorize more Christians when the Lord stopped him in his tracks blinded him, and asked him why he was persecuting him. Then a disciple, not an apostle, but a disciple of Jesus, came to Saul and ministered to him, and Saul was baptized. All right, let's begin reading in Acts 9, verse 19. And it says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul." They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And we'll stop right there. Yeah, there's no mention of Arabia in that, in that narrative, and there's no mention of three years. None. Nothing. So God saved that surprise for Galatians 1. Me, yay. Um, And most scholars would agree that this three years in Arabia actually takes place between 925 and 926. So scripture actually doesn't fill in all the questions that we may may have for us. Um, God doesn't give us a narrative of the education of the Apostle Paul. But we know from our study that the words disciple and apostle are actually not interchangeable. Jesus appointed apostles from amongst the disciples that followed him. They were a special group, close to him, taught directly by him, and given particular authority to preach the gospel in the name of Jesus. And as you saw in your study, Paul calls himself an apostle a lot. <clears throat> and he also says in Galatians 1.20 that he's not lying. So, while we don't completely understand what happened, we know that there was a three-year period in Saul's life that he spent in Arabia— without any other apostles, in which Jesus Christ revealed the gospel to him so that he could go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't know if you spent any time thinking about that or considering it. Uh, we can. We're, we have the freedom to imagine what that looked like based on what we've read, based on what we've studied, and based on our own experiences. But in our imaginings, we must not deviate from what we know to be true. And in the end, it's actually a pretty incredible story to believe. But it's also not without some precedence. God appeared to and met with other men in the Bible. We know clearly that God met with Abraham, he met with Moses, and even Christ met with his disciples following the resurrection. 
As a Christian, I believe a lot of incredible things. If we think about it for a minute, at Grace of Anne, we firmly believe in the authority of God's Word. I believe that every word is true. I do not believe that it contradicts itself. And because I believe that it is true, I must believe and accept many incredible things. Some of them I was taught as a child. You were taught, probably taught them as a child, and we proudly, confidently teach our children these incredible things of God. And when I started uh, this lesson, I went and looked for my children's Jesus Storybook Bible, which is wonderful. Most probably of the children at Grace of Anne have this. And in my discovery, I also found that I had one. Um, it's called the Bible Storybook, Edgar Meyer's Bible Storybook. And this was mine as a child. I'm sure my parents gave it to me. Um, but in both of these books, we talk about a lot of, or they tell us a lot of incredible stories about, um, about God that we teach our children. The first one is, God created the whole world in six days. Number two, God covered the earth with a flood, saving only one family and two of every animal in a big boat. Number three, God made people speak different languages at the Tower of Babel. Number four, God gave Sarah a baby at the age of 472. Just teasing. 90. But is there a big difference? <laughs> Number five, God turned Egyptian water to blood. Number six, God parted a sea and allowed his people to cross it on dry land. Number seven, God brought down the walls of Jericho with a loud noise. Number eight, God saved Daniel from the hungry lions in the lion's den. Number nine, God saved Jonah from drowning with a big fish. And number 10, God placed a baby inside a virgin's womb. Yes, we do inc- believe a lot of incredible things. And for those of you who have studied any of the Bible, know that there are many more incredible things in it. But that's just it, isn't it? There is one common element of all of these amazing stories, and it is always God. Glued to the walls of most of your small group, group rooms, you see the quote, God is the hero of every Bible story. And I love that. That was, we were trying to decide if that was either the last thing that Cindy Cole did before she left or the first thing that Donna Pierce did when she came in, Cindy. And so I wish that I had learned that as a child. Um, maybe my church tried, maybe my parents tried. I have tried with my children, but I know for sure that my church has tried to teach my children that God is the hero of every Bible story. And the reason we believe so many incredible things is due to the simple fact that we serve an incredible God. Scripture faithfully teaches us from A to Z that our God is big and powerful and capable of thoughts that are much higher than our thoughts and ways so different from ours that our brains often think they are wrong. It says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For our thought, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Each week in this study, we take you through the same exercises. And one of those is listing all the things you learn about God and all the things you learn about man. Do you ever get the feeling that all of the good things go in one list and all of the bad things go in the other? I certainly get that feeling a lot. In man, we see how sinful we are. Rebellion, pride, disobedience, ugly, ugly, ugly. But it's a weekly reminder for us that God 
is lovely and good and gracious and light and beauty and holiness and working great and powerful things in this broken, sinful world with a broken and sinful people. It's not the people doing incredible things. It's God doing incredible things in his people. But we often like to flip the script, don't we? We like to think that man is capable of incredible things. We like to give the credit and the glory to the created being rather than the creator. And it's not just man that we like to, we actually like to think it about ourselves. In our hearts and in our minds, we like to think we are capable of great and good without God. In essence, we crown ourselves and worship our desires, feelings, and plans. Maybe as children, we were taught that Abraham, Moses, Joshua, and even Paul were the heroes, and they were certainly faithful men that God used in amazing ways, but really it was God all along. Genesis 6-5 describes man's thoughts from God's view. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God responded to that with the ark, then the tabernacle, and finally the cross. So now we come to what I had planned to talk about all along, and that is that there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ that we find in God's word. Letter F on page 8 of your Bible study instructed you to take some time to ask the Lord to reveal to you if there are any false gospels that have crept into your beliefs. I have considered that from time to time this, this, these past few days, and he has been faithful to whisper to me, and I have seen the Lord convict and lead. Fundamentally, I allow false gospels to creep into my heart and mind when I flip that script. I believe that I know what is good and right and true without measuring it against Scripture. And here's a biggie. I justify my emotions for a myriad of reasons. Do you ever do that? I love to forget that I am still indwelt by that natural man whose every intention of his heart is evil continually. Looking at that square on does not feel good or encouraging at first. It is not the self-esteem pep talk that I want. But if you were worshiping with us on Sunday, you'll understand this when I say, remembering that natural man does make me get into the taxi. If you need more on that, see me later. But Diane Lane closed that taxi door, ran to a torrid love affair that birthed havoc, destroying many lives because she followed her desires without regard for what was right and true. I do that. It is only now, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in me, that I have been kept from torrid love affairs and destroying many lives in the process. I am capable of that. I am with Paul, chief of sinners, but God has seen fit and made a way to use me for my good and for his glory. God has reached in in his incredible mercy and grace, saved me, and begun a good work in me that he will see through to perfection. How I praise him for that. It's not me, never has been, it is God alone. Another exercise that we go through every week is listing the commands and the promises that we find. Did you find some this week? They are kind of hidden. One promise that I zeroed in on was actually more implied rather than clearly stated. And there it is at the end of our chapter in verse 24. 
and they glorified God because of me. Saul, the fearsome approver of the stoning of Stephen, was transformed into Paul, the apostle of Christ that caused people to glorify God. That's an incredible work with an incredible promise, and God can do that through us as well. He can transform us to do his good work so that others praise the Lord. And then rather than destroying lives, we can be an agent used to give life. But how will we know? You must know God's word. You must study it and measure your thoughts by the word of God. And I want to show you something in my little Bible story book. This one did not mention the three years in Arabia, probably very wise, but Eggermeyer did. And I want to show you right here on page 513 what it says. I'll read it from my pages rather than here. For three years, he spent his time in prayer and studying the scriptures. He saw clearly now that Jesus of Nazareth, whom he once despised, was the Messiah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Did we actually read that in Galatians or in Acts? We did not. Now, it is very likely that Paul did study the scriptures while he was in Arabia, but that's not what we've read. We didn't read that that's how he came to know the truth. I'm not trying to pick on Miss Eggermeyer, but hear me out. Do we do that? Do we insert what we think or what we imagine into our beliefs? This book makes that story a little easier to swallow and a little less incredible. But I don't think that's what we are going for. Our goal should be to wonder at our amazing God, put his incredible works on display, and keep our understanding of man in its place. Inserting a little bit into the story of Paul's apostleship may not be a big deal, but we know there are other places where it is. Let's consider the culture we live in today. Homosexuality, transgenderism, and abortion have become accepted realities where church leaders stretch truths and promote mental gymnastics in the name of the love of God. Doing so, they do not offer truth that leads to life, but rather bondage that leads to death. Knowing the gospel changes our words and our actions. To the sister who desires the romantic love of a woman, I can say, I understand the desire for something that God has not given you. Confess your sin with me, and let's enjoy the transformation of God's saving work through his son, Jesus Christ. To the boy who wants to be a girl, I can say, I know what it means to think God made a mistake, but let's look at our bodies and see how God has made us and beautifully formed us. Here is the gospel. Let's hold tight to it and allow God to show us how lovely we are. To the woman struggling with an unplanned pregnancy, I can say, I know what it feels like to feel inadequate and even angry about what God has given. But God can do incredible things in you and for you because he has given life where there was none before. If given the opportunity to speak these words, they may fall on deaf ears but at least we know the truth, and we can offer it to anyone and everyone. I cannot expect people to do the incredible work, to do incredible things without the work of God in them. I've never done anything incredible in my life. But these words of truth are life, and it's all we've got. It is the only gospel, and it is just as we read it in Galatians 1, 3 through 4. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this truth, Lord. Father, it does cut us deeply, Lord. It is convicting, shows us where we have been prideful, where we have believed falseness, Lord. And Father, I pray that if there is any woman in this room that is hurting, is confused, or in pain, Father, I pray, dear Lord, that they won't leave without getting some questions answered. Lord, your gospel is life and truth, Lord. It is all we have, and it is all we cling to. Help us, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.